Hello everyone and welcome to the 14th episode of Mindfulness Mondays and today joining me is Hannah Diveny. Um, I actually stumbled upon Hannah last week when she did an interview on the Today, the Today Show Extra, excuse me, um, and I am really excited to be interviewing her today about her writing, her activism and so much more. So I'm just going to invite Hannah now to join me on the live. Bear with me just a moment. Okay. Well, Hannah will be with us very shortly. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really excited to talk about her work today and all of the articles that she's written, let alone been in. Um, oh, hang on a minute. Request. Okay, let's try again. <laughs> okay. Sent the request. Hey, Ava. <laughs> Give me just a moment. Okay. Should be working very soon. <laughs> Alrighty, I have sent Hannah unable to join. We're having so many technical difficulties today. <laughs> okay, sent that request again, Hannah. Hopefully, here we go. Yay! <laughs> Finally! Huzzah! Success. After 10 minutes, after 10 minutes of trying, we're finally made it work. Um, I just firstly want to say thank you so much for joining me today, Hannah, on the live. Thank you so much for having about... me. No, my pleasure. And I, and I can't wait to talk about your latest campaign, let alone all of your writing and your activism. I guess to kind of start off for our viewers, do you mind introducing yourself? Okay, so hi, everyone. I'm Hannah. Um, I'm 20 one from Sydney, Australia, and I'm a writer and disability advocate. Thank you. Um, you so you are an acclaimed writer and an activist. You have written pieces for ABC Life as well as for the Cerebral Palsy Alliance um, and, and so many more. Firstly, I, I want to know why you write. Well, basically, I write because having cerebral palsy and growing up the way that I have um, mm -hmm. meant that there was a lot of things that, like, the typical able-bodied kid could do that I struggled to do. So while other kids went to soccer practice or did ballet lessons, I found that the best way to express myself and to kind of kind of, uh, I guess, find almost like a peace within myself, as airy-fairy as that sounds. No, um, not at all. Was to, was to write. Um, mm -hmm. I've always been fascinated by stories, always loved reading, basically wanted to be a writer since I was four. Um, so getting to do this now and seeing the reaction that I'm having right at this moment is really mind-blowing and wonderful because it feels like my childhood dream is actually being realised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Wow. So was there a particular author or, I guess, child influence um, that kind of sparked your passion for writing? Um, I think for me, in terms of the stories that I was reading, it was probably mm-hmm. Beatrix Potter and the whole kind of Peter Rabbit yeah, yeah. <laughs> moment because that was the first time that I kind of realised that uh, stories weren't, they didn't just appear out of thin air or like they weren't dropped by smiling storks. They were kind of created by real people. Um, mm-hmm. And basically if they were created by real people, that meant that there was no reason why I couldn't create them too. Um, in terms of like the things that have most inspired me, I guess, when I got older, as much as I hate to say it for how controversial it is now, um, was Harry Potter. Um, that that was a huge part of my childhood and a huge part of me being able to process feeling different and potentially feeling lonely because of the kind of isolation produced by being different and being disabled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Harry Potter was, um, for many people, that kind of fantasized escape. And and even though, like you said, it is a bit controversial now, the the characters and the magic, it was, it was such an... Uh, it felt like a world away, but it was right in front of us, if that, if that makes yeah. sense. No, um, no, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, a lot of the articles you write are about how society can be a better ally to people who, um, to people with disabilities and how ableism is something that can be combated by mm-hmm. working together. Tell us a bit more about why you choose to write and advocate for this. Um, and have you had an experience yourself where you thought, you know, no, this is enough? something needs to be done? Um, I think if I were to list all of the tiny microaggressive experiences that kind of fall into that category, we'd be here for hours, Kristen. It's it's not always been great being a disabled person in society, especially because um, here in Australia particularly, we're not great at creating space or creating accessibility for disabled people. There are certainly countries around the world that do it a lot better than we do, like the, um, some of the Scandinavian countries. Mm-hmm. But for me, I basically felt like, well, I think I'm okay at this writing thing. Like this, this is sort of working and the feedback I'm getting from the people I care about is that it's pretty positive. So while I have this, this voice and this tool, like if I want to see change made, Instead of sitting there and hoping that someone's going to speak up about that change, why don't I do it myself? Yeah, definitely. And and um, reading through the articles that you have written and you're watching your Today Show interview, for an example, it is your your activism is severely infectious. And so it's so wonderful to see that you can articulate it through your writing and, and have that impact. Um, reading, speaking of your articles and reading up, um, on all the work you've done. I mm-hmm. want to know what is the crazy, is it the cosy climb? The crazy cosy climb. Crazy cosy climb. Pardon me. Tell That's us a okay. bit more about that and what, what is the story behind it? 
So the Crazy Cozy Climb is an event that I co-founded with an able-bodied family friend who is into kind of extreme adventures and events of endurance where essentially we uh, help people with disabilities and their families. Initially, it was just people with cerebral palsy, but it's now been expanded to all disabilities to uh, climb and conquer Mount Kosciuszko, which is the highest point in Australia. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So it's an 18.4 kilometer round trip. And we've basically Mm -hmm. been running the event, I think, for the past eight years. We've had seven kind of events because last year's was obviously called off thanks to the um, bushfires down in that region because we do it in the summertime because that's Mm -hmm. the best time to kind of hope that the mountain cooperates with you, if that makes sense. Definitely so, does. Wow. Okay. So how many people, How what what type of turnout do you usually get so for this event? we have about 200 people um, on the mountain at any given time. And that includes <laughs> like the participants, their families, the corporate mm-hmm. sponsors who form part of the team because it's also a fundraising effort, like s- secondary to the actual achievement itself it's a fundraising effort for cerebral palsy alliance um and then we also have a bunch of volunteers who help us at checkpoints making sure the teams are okay and just generally making sure everything runs smoothly so yeah it's about a 200 person operation wow and that that sounds absolutely incredible and fingers crossed i guess it can go ahead for next summer um, yeah that would be great to having to miss out for a year, understandably, though, due to the devastation of the bushfires. So fingers crossed yeah. um, that we can see it happen next summer. I um, following, following on from that, I guess, there, there is a quote on one of your articles um, mm-hmm. that states it is, and I quote, it is equally important for able-bodied people to actually see that just because someone has a disability doesn't mean their life is one dimensional. Mm. What do you mean by this? And, and why is it important to let alone you, why is it important to you, let alone others with CV or a disability? So basically um, the perception of disability by people by by able-bodied people in society generally functions in a couple of different ways. So the main example of disability that that most people would see in mainstream media is a Paralympian, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's wonderful. Like their achievements are spectacular and deserve to be celebrated. But it also means that a lot of people will either A, expect you to want to go and participate in the Paralympics or Mm -hmm. B if you're not doing that most of the expectation is that you're sitting in your bedroom staring out a window watching the world go by and feeling completely cut off or isolated from it or feeling some sort of I guess sadness or anguish because your life is supposedly lesser than those of your able-bodied peers, which, don't get me wrong, there are definitely moments where it does get you down and it does wear you down, but it wears you down because 
You're constantly fighting to live and thrive in a world that is not built for you. But it also is really frustrating that people think that just because you have a disability doesn't mean you can't feel joy, doesn't mean you don't like the same things, doesn't mean you don't want the same things at the end of the day, even if your approach to getting them looks a little bit different to the uh, average person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and hearing you speak that with such passion and, and so powerfully literally gave me shivers, I'm not going to lie. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so to to hear that and and it's so right i i literally left me speechless um because i 110 percent agree with you on that um and uh from that i do want to talk about your recent campaign um and yes i guess firstly what is your opinion in regards to the representation of disabilities in the film industry as a whole well, I mean, the bar's pretty low. Like, so it took me until I was about 10 to mm-hmm. see my first um, character with a disability, and that was Artie Abrams from Glee, if anybody at yes. home yes. knows that show. <laughs> yes. Okay. Were you, so, were you a big fan of Glee growing up as well? Yeah, I... <laughs> I definitely was. I was the kid singing and dancing and having a great yeah. old time, um, which is which is great. And like I I love representation in the in that capacity. But the thing mm-hmm. I really struggled with was the joy that I felt, um, kind of immediately upon seeing Artie, was diluted. I guess you could say. When okay. I do the Google search and it turns out that Kevin McHale, the actor, is able-bodied. Because mm-hmm. it basically means to me that this person who is playing a role that represents my life doesn't get it. They can cast it off as soon as um, the director yells cut kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it also, more than that, means that like the writers and all the people invested in making the TV show weren't necessarily committed to creating the most authentic narrative. I I mean, I'm not sure what the disabled community's involvement was in that particular show. And I do Mm want to say it's pretty, they did have a saving grace in that they did have a character with, and an actress with Down syndrome. So there was some positive representation that way, but there's also kind of this uh, this phenomenon in especially the films that are made to, to, to win awards and to be critically acclaimed where basically if you want an Oscar as an able-bodied person, a pretty surefire way to get it is to play a disabled character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there will, be, there will be people who will applaud the physical and psychological transformation that you have to make in order to play a disabled person. And while I understand that some conditions and in some circumstances getting a disabled actor isn't necessarily um, something that, it, that, that is achievable, there are disabled actors out there. There are plenty of them. And there are plenty of disabled writers and directors and creators and 
basically from top to bottom in, in any creative industry. If you looked hard enough, you'd find the disabled people. But the thing is, you have to put in the effort and, and you have to be willing to give people who possibly haven't had professional experience before by virtue mm -hmm. of, the, of the barrier of their disability a chance. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you mentioned before that Australia doesn't, we're not great when it comes to um, creating accessibility and, and um, ease for people living with a disability. Would you say that that is a big factor in the film industry of why we're not seeing um, as many disabled actors and actresses playing these roles is because they're just lacking the actual resources? Yeah, well, I, I, I think I would say that in terms of, like, Australian-made media that I've consumed, mm -hmm. there's only one actor that I can think of off the top of my head that I have seen with a disability. Now, that's not to say if, if I really thought about it, I wouldn't find more examples. Yeah, but just talking to you right now, there's only one person that I can think of one time mm -hmm. where I've seen a, a, an Australian actor in an Australian TV show who was disabled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's scary. That is let mm -hmm. alone disgusting that we don't have that representation when there is a clear, let alone demand for it. But mm -hmm. there's so many actors and actresses who can play these yeah. roles. Um, and it's, so. it's not even that, but just, like, if you want, if you're really that pressed mm -hmm. and find it that difficult to cater for disabled actors, there are other ways to have disabled characters and, um, sorry, disabled people involved in the creative process so that the representations that you make are authentic and mm -hmm. not, and not offensive and not demeaning or devaluing in, in any way, but instead present themselves as empowering and, I guess, joyful experiences for disabled people to engage yeah. with. Yeah, definitely. And, and I guess flowing on from that, secondly, I, I want to talk about your petition for Disney. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to know more and I want to know your kind of aim through this petition? Yep. So um, basically I've been advocating for a disabled Disney princess since 2015, I think, was when I first oh wrote gosh. the Disney company, an open yep. letter that got published on the internet. You can go and find it. It's, it's out there for the world to see. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, but that came about after seeing the Pixar film Inside Out, which I don't know if you guys have all seen. But for, yeah. for me, sitting in that cinema, as someone who also lives with pretty life-impacting mental illness, I found it really interesting and really powerful and important how well they portrayed like anxiety, depression, anger, fear, or all of those sorts of things. And I thought, well. If, the, if they're willing to bring, like, this sophisticated and this essentially taboo conversation mm -hmm. um, to, to children in a way that children can understand and engage with and be excited and, 
and understood by, then they should definitely take that kind of next logical step towards more representation and maybe extend it further into disabilities. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And the change.org petition, which you can all sign at the link in my mm -hmm. bio. Um, and I'll link it as well down below once yeah. um, I post this interview Thank after the live. Thank you so much. No, we, we launched that um, on December 3rd of last year, which is actually the International Day of People with a Disability um, mm -hmm. around the world, obviously. So that felt like a really um, powerful time to sort of cr launch that campaign because it's the one time where m most of the world is is willing to look at and have disabled stories centered. Obviously, that's not mm -hmm. something that should happen only one day a year. And that's definitely something that the campaign is, advocate is advocating for more. Um, but yes, we've had, I think we just hit 32,500 signatures from around the world this morning. Oh my gosh. Which is wow. cool. Uh, yes. yes. And that's, that's been a lot of work on the part of change.org, who are the mm -hmm. platform that hosts the petition, and myself, basically sharing it with everybody I could think of, promoting it in different ways. Like I wrote an article for the ABC about it. Um, there's been lots of tweets and Instagram stories and posts from me tagging different celebrities and things like that. And some of those tags have worked and some of them haven't. And then... Yeah, different high-profile people, I guess, have shared the petitions. So it's, pr mm -hmm. it's pretty great to have their support because obviously these are people with louder voices and wider platforms than me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And who, do you mind telling us? Yeah, so I can tell you. <laughs> so we've had um, Magda Zabansky. We had Jamila Jamil. That that was that was a big one. I, I cried after that one. I was like, oh you no. Be. Wow. Um, we had Sterling K. Brown, he's an mm -hmm. American actor. Yes, um, yeah. Martha Hunt, the supermodel. Oh my god. Yes. You keep such She's a, lovely. Diverse audience let yeah. alone a lot of these people who have these incredible platforms yeah. um and and speaking about that inside out movie and how directors now have the capabilities of representing um different i guess circumstances um accurately yeah. and making them relatable to to young children there's no excuse that we don't have a um Disney princess with a disability. Yeah, it is, it's definitely something that I would like to see. I want to be very clear, though, that I'm not in any way trying to paint Disney as a bad guy. No, for not having made this not. step already. Um, they've become pretty progressive over the last mm -hmm. few years. Like we've seen princesses of color um, involved, like Moana and Tiana. We've seen lots of different kind of narratives 
even with like Frozen, where it's not centered on like a love interest situation, but on two sisters. Um, yeah. We've got all sorts of different things. So it's just a, a matter of them realizing that this is kind of the next logical the next space step. for them to yeah. feel. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully, definitely. with the pressure and attention from campaigns like mine, um, we might get them to come to the party. That would be that would be amazing to see in 2021, I think. That would be the icing on the top. Hey. Um, yes. I guess, sending on from that campaign, um, when you were growing up, what, I guess, how do you think it may have impacted or, or changed um, the course of your life if you were able to see a Disney princess with a disability? To people who have always seen themselves represented in public spaces, this is going to sound really silly and trite, but it would have changed a lot. It would have made me feel um, very much less invisible than what I did growing up because I literally felt like like I was the only one. For, for a while there, like it felt it was a very isolating experience, but it also would have just taught me that all of the things that people tell you and and try to put onto you about your own limitations and capabilities or lack thereof mm-hmm. doesn't have to be true. Like there can be examples of people out there having fun and looking like you and going on adventures and being the hero of their own story, yeah. so, so to speak. I think so you with this campaign are going to be a hero of a lot of young boys and girls. Um, and hearing how it would have impacted you, I think it's just going to be this catalyst reaction when they finally, finally release one. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'll be front row at the cinema that day. Yeah, yeah, I'll be sitting next to you. I'll, I'll come up to Sydney and, and we can go see it. Um, yeah, sounds perfect. And yeah, in um, your petition blurb, there, there is a quote that I, that I just love. And, and to quote, it says, it's an invaluable chance to see themselves having adventures, rich, full lives, and being the hero of their own stories, which we kind of have covered. Um, I guess what I want to know is why you chose to petition for a Disney princess specifically um, Mm -hmm. rather than another fantasy character. Okay. So let's say you go into Big W or Target Mm -hmm. and you see kids' toys and lunchboxes and bedspreads and a million other bits of paraphernalia. Who are the characters that you see on those? They're the Disney princesses. Yeah. So it became very obvious to me from even just being kind of, I, I guess for the, for the original Disney princesses, like I was obviously n- not born when they came out, but then too, too young to appreciate their kind of full impact. Uh, until I was old enough to really be a teenager watching Frozen um, and then 
seeing how this movie could go from being in the cinemas to suddenly people have Elsa and Anna dolls. They have mm-hmm. Duna covers. They have lunch boxes. They're dressing up as the characters mm-hmm. for, ha- for Halloween. They're like it. It really becomes a part of their life, and I mean, we can clearly see the reach for Disney princesses. That they're, they're the characters that pop into everyone's heads, pretty much when you say Disney. Um, mm-hmm. So I think for me, that was pu- almost like strategic in that I knew that if I went for that, that would be the, the the character's type with the most impact, the most potential to change and make the lives of disabled children better everywhere. But I guess it's also a sort of wish fulfillment for my younger self because I used to love watching Disney movies and particularly Disney princesses. I could probably quote all the movies back to you if, <laughs> if you ask me to. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's very much kind of satisfying my 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 inner little girl who just wanted to see someone like her and to kind of know that everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and hearing you speak about how influential Disney is without kind of realising it, um, like I, I, I know that sounds pretty stupid, but uh, we always see Duna covers, and we always see the toys, and we and 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 they're in your subconscious constantly when you mm-hmm. go into so many stores. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I completely see now why you targeted Disney and and to make that greater impact and the most influential impact if they were to eventually release um, a Disney princess with disabilities. So yes. um, to hear you explain it from your perspective as well is is um, very encapsulating, actually. I was like, I, I felt like tunnel vision hearing you talk about it. <laughs> um, I guess. My next question for you would be for for anyone out there who may be watching the live um, who who has a disability themselves, um, what would be your advice to, to give them if they're finding themselves in a rut? Oh, powerful question. Um, <laughs> I guess my advice, as cliche as it sounds, would be to know that you that you're not alone, that there are so many people who understand what you're going through without you even necessarily having to explain it. Like, there are so many people who have been where you are, who will be where you are, who are where you are right now. And basically, like, we've got you. Like, we're, Mm -hmm. we're not going to let anything happen to you other than lifting you up and letting you kind of speak and tell your story so I guess the the other thing I would say is if there are any disabled people out there who need someone to talk to my dms are always open I have other people in my life who I can send you towards like we're a a real community because we have to be because I guess we've got to stick together so please don't feel alone 
please know that there are people out there who will support you no matter what. And please know that whatever kind of limits people have tried to put on you or you've felt like you had to put on yourself, you don't have to do that. Those, those limits can easily be moved. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very powerful words um, that oh, touched my heart, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, um, I do as well have some questions for you from some of our viewers. Um, I always okay. do the little question um, uh, option on my Instagram story the day before our interview. So I I'm will really get started on this. Yeah. So the first one, um, all of these, by the way, have been asked to stay anonymous. Um, okay. The first question was, when you were growing up, who was your biggest role model that you looked up to? Um, ooh. In terms of, I guess, disabled role models, I didn't really have a lot. Um all of kind of the disabled people who were in my who were on my radar back then and still like I guess on the general public's radar most of the time are men mm-hmm. so there aren't there, there weren't a lot of examples of powerful disabled women but if we're just talking generally speaking I think one of my biggest role models uh, would have to be Taylor Swift the way that she was able to take everything that has happened to her and put it into a format that other people could relate to, other people could see themselves in and other people could feel connected by, that, has for- that example has formed a lot of the way that I approach the way I make my art and how yeah. personal I am in it and what I want people to get out of it. And I just think her ability to continuously create, even when the circumstances of say, fame or reputation, for want of a better word, have gone kind of pear-shaped, is really Mm -hmm. admirable because there are definitely points in my life where things have not gone the way that I've wanted them to, or it feels like I've been dealt like some heavy blows I guess um and just knowing that I can always write and that I can always create and have examples of strong women who have continued to do that like Taylor and like so many others has really helped me yeah yeah and I completely agree um she is she's incredible (laughs) there's no other way to describe it yeah um one of the other questions that were from our viewers was um, what what do you feel is your biggest accomplishment so far through your activism work? They're asking the hard ones. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the biggest accomplishment is getting messages from other people with disabilities or the parents of little kids with disabilities or even the parents or even parents whose kids don't have disabilities 
who say, thank you for doing this. I want my kid to grow up to be more like you. Yeah. And kind of in that moment or realizing that like this will really help help younger kids or parents saying that like this is all I've ever I've ever wanted for my son or my daughter that makes everything else all the stress and the craziness of being so constantly active I guess that makes it all worth it that's what I do it for to make things better and maybe I can't well no I definitely can't go back in time and fix it for myself, but I can leave the world better than I found it. And that's definitely my goal always with activism and with anything that I do. So yeah, that's my biggest accomplishment mm -hmm. is kind of hearing from people that, that what I'm doing is impacting them in a positive way. I, I, I don't know how spiritual you are, but hearing you speak, you sound very much like an old soul to me, if I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah, that, that's probably um, formed in part by the fact that when I was growing up, mm -hmm. I couldn't necessarily play with the other kids a lot because a lot of young, younger kids play is very fit is very physical because you're learning how to use your body and what you're playing tag or you're going on the swing or whatever. And don't get me wrong. Like my parents would definitely try and help me be included where possible, but there are some things that even they couldn't kind of breach. And that meant I spent a lot of time around adults soaking up their conversation and their way of looking at things sometimes almost too much, like in the, because I guess I was naturally quite sharp, shy and introverted. And I'm also like, just by virtue of me just sitting there with them, I guess they'd almost forget that there was a kid present. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of would absorb everything like a sponge. Yeah. And I think that's definitely influenced the way that I look at the world and the way that I think about things mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and yeah, just the way you articulate yourself and your opinions and viewpoints, it's, it's, yeah, it's very inspiring to listen to. Um, Thank you. No, you, you are incredible. And, and one of the, I guess, the last question from one of our viewers, mm -hmm. firstly, firstly, they want to know what star sign you are. And secondly, they want to um, know where you hope to see yourself in five years. Wow, they're, they're really <laughs> with, the, with the hard questions there. Um, so first of all, the first part of that is easy to answer. I am a Leo, but for those mm -hmm. of you who are really interested, I'm like super on the cusp of like Leo and Virgo, which I'm uh, told yeah. is like another separate, almost star sign of itself so I kind of share, <laughs> share qualities of both if that helps tell, tell you a lot about me um and in terms of where I'd want to be in five years wow um I guess at the moment with the pandemic we're only thinking week to week at the moment yeah <laughs> but uh no I, I think five years I definitely love to 
be making or or have the, the Disney film out. Mm-hmm. And I hope that I can be creatively involved in that somehow, whether it's like story ideas or script writing or yeah hey maybe even the voice of the disney princess yeah that'd be cool (laughs) um but yeah i definitely love to have a book out that would be Mm -hmm. that would be fun um and just like i guess as uh, as long as i'm creating things and people are connecting with the things i create that's what makes me the happiest and that's what Mm -hmm. keeps my life feeling manageable when the other parts of it that aren't so nice because let's face it living with a disability is like having a full-time job but you don't get paid and you don't get a break uh (laughs) that's a good analogy that is a very good analogy (laughs) yeah so when um when that becomes too much or when that that becomes like difficult or or negative it's definitely important to me to have the creative outlets to focus on and everyone has been so lovely like I've pretty much been I guess more in the public eye since September of last year that's when Mm -hmm. the first article for the ABC came out and I just happened to put my social media at the bottom and from there things have kind of exploded I mean the Disney petition has definitely helped and if we see a result in that or we get more high profile interest then then things will kind of snowball again but yeah it's definitely been quite the experience becoming more of a public figure yeah um and hopefully that continues like all Mm -hmm. i want to do is create a platform where i can use it to uplift other people and make change and create stuff and basically satisfy all the things that i wanted to do as a little kid but that i felt like were kind of impossible because i couldn't see them Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it definitely sounds like the next year, let alone the next five, are going to be very eventful for you. I'm just yeah, this I feeling. think they're going to be super busy. <laughs> I think they will be too. Um, I guess to to finish off our interview, where can our viewers find you, reach you, sign this petition, um, and and get in touch? Okay, so my Instagram is at Hannah the Wildflower. You can. Mm-hmm reach my dms there i have them all open and everything's all public so you don't have to wait you don't have to wait or worry about me accepting your follow just come on over and join the adventure (laughs) Um, yeah and then i guess i'm also on twitter at hannah underscore diviny that's d-i-v-i-n-e-y um my petition is at the link in my bio uh you can reach me, I guess, by Googling my name, Hannah Diviny. Um, yeah. I hope to see more of the lovely community that you've got here. Yeah. Uh, joining <laughs> me on be, my adventures. It would be wonderful. And, and all of um, the platforms that you've mentioned, I will be linking below once this interview is posted. Um, I, I guess. I can't thank you enough, Hannah, for joining me on today's episode of Mindfulness Mondays, talking all about your writing, activism, and your most recent petition. Um, thank you I so really... much for having me. Oh my goodness, I was so excited to get your DM. Um, yeah, the I, other I'm day, so and grateful. I saw you on today's show. <laughs> just, just the idea of like constantly being able to connect and make new opportunities, and also 
I guess by virtue of the work that I do, constantly break down uh, uh, assumptions or stereotypes that people might have about the capabilities or desires or ways of life that disabled people have is is really great. So thank you so much for having me. No, my absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed talking to you. And if I'm ever in Sydney, I will sure to hit you up. <laughs> please do. Please do. You're welcome oh, anytime. Thank you. As are you in Melbourne. We're having not the best weather at the moment, but yeah, it's you're welcome great, anytime. It's not great weather here either. It's like has not stopped raining for days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very weird weather at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Well, look, thank you again for joining me. And I'm sure I will be talking or hopefully seeing you soon. Um, and all the best with all of your projects. I will thank be you. hopefully keeping involved in them. Um, I hope so. Well, I guess we'll talk soon. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, <laughs> everyone, for watching. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.